0: Hi, welcome back to The Road to Rescue here on Parable of the Vineyard. and I'm here, I'm Sean Griffin, joined with my awesome co-host here.
1: As always, Ken Heidebrecht. Thank you, Sean. And welcome, brothers and sisters, to uh, Parable of the Vineyard, Road to Rescue. We're glad to have you guys on tonight, and uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion.
0: Tonight's a lot of fun, guys. This is part three in our series, City on a Hill. We're actually going to be discussing the signs of the end that lead up to the revealing of the paradise of God, the city of God. So in part one, we discussed how that, that phrase is, is commonly in context talked about the people of God, right? A city on a hill because it's talking about the behaviors of the people of God. But we also see all the prophets talking about the literal city of God, the paradise of God, i.e., called the New Jerusalem, which is on a hill. <laughs> so the metaphor works in both regards. And then and in part two, last week, we discussed from Jesus' words and how we explained how we get in how we basically qualify for the city of god through faith and obedience to him and what that means by believing in his name so that we can be saved and we kind of broke that down about the timing of when we're saved and what it means to believe in jesus christ for salvation and how he implements that for us and fulfills that for us and uh, and how he defined that process basically from his own words so this week we're going to be looking at several different prophets including jesus our messiah himself who claims this is a, a uh, there's a buildup that happens before the revealing of the paradise of God that's going to come down to earth through the firmament. And when this happens, there's a series of events that, are, that, have, that have taken place. Now, we briefly mentioned some of these concepts in episode one of this show, The Road to Rescue, several weeks ago, I think almost three months ago now. In episode two, we talked about one of the facets of the things that take place on the day of the Lord, which is the firmament being shaken and the stars falling to the ground. This week, in this particular series, in this part, we're going to talk about many of the other component pieces that are taking place that lead up and happening to the day of the Lord. And it's fascinating when we go over some really fun stuff in the Apocalypse of Brook towards the end of the broadcast. So stick with with us till the end, and we really appreciate you joining us for this particular episode.
1: Yeah, it's uh, very important information for us to to understand and to discuss. And um, I think I'm going to start this evening off with a, a word of prayer, Sean. Thank you, Ken. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have just to come together in, uh, as Adam says, in this virtual house and um, just to discuss your word. Father, your word is amazing. It, you know, it changes us if we allow it. And so, Father, I just pray that all of us who are um, in this virtual house would desire to be changed, Father, by your word and that our minds would be washed by it. And ultimately, Father, that we would reflect the image of your son in this earth as we have the opportunity to do so in these days. And so father, I just thank you for brother Sean and, um, just his willingness to do this, um, along with me. And, uh, I just pray that our words would be, would be, um, edifying and also father, that we would keep things in context and we would, we would speak the truth tonight. And so I just ask you for your spirit to just give us a hand in doing that. Send your helper father. And, um, we ask for all these things in the authority of your amazing son, Yeshua. Amen.
0: Amen. And uh, as always guys, um, just in case you're not familiar, uh, I'm Sean Griffin. Ken Heiderbrecht is here with me. We also have our own channels, but parable the Adam from parable, the Vineyard has asked us to do a weekly show on his channel here, which we do here on Sunday nights, the road to rescue. But um, my particular channel is, is behind me here. It's called the kingdom in context. And, uh, and I actually have a, a a contextual based channel where I focus on explaining the major themes of scripture through a context tree. And that tree basically has different branches on it with big major themes of scripture, the return of the King being one of those branches. And that's, that's kind of the whole premise of this show is we're breaking down all the different facets of the return of the King week after week. But uh, that's one of the context branches on my context tree. I also do uh, a weekly portion with my wife as well as topical studies. And then Ken, I'll let you tell folks about your channel real quick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So mine is called Hanging on His Words and mine is also right there <laughs> hanging on my wall and I can be found on YouTube hanging on his words as well as on Facebook. And um, I also like to discuss things in context as Brother Sean and uh, my my channel is rather new and I only have a few videos on, but I, I plan on releasing things as the Father you know, gives me insight and, and time to do so. So you guys are welcome to check that out as well. And actually, Sean and I have a a show as well that we do together, aside from the Road to Rescue, on Sean's channel, Kingdom Context, which is called Honor of Kings, where we go into the extra biblical books and uh, just see what is uh, available for us to glean truth from in those books. And uh, we're having a good time doing that, aren't we, Sean?
0: Yeah, it's it's we do that on Saturday nights called Honor of Kings. It's a lot of fun. We we dig into a lot of the apocryphal hidden books, trying to, you know, hold them to the the test of the can of 66 and see which ones line up and which ones don't. So sure. it's a lot of fun. But uh this particular uh series that we're doing here on Parable of the Vineyard, man, it's it's been a blessing to me, Ken, because you know, I've I've joked in the past that I need to just write a book that's like, you know, compiling all these verses that we've been doing on these shows and then just basically, you know. Each chapter would be just like a different uh, camera angle, if you will, of perspective of all the different component pieces that happen on the day of the Lord, because there's so many. Yeah,
1: that's there's right. So, so, Sean, I guess all you really need to do is change the camera angle where you're at each episode and you get the content anyways. Right. So we're talking about the content. Just change the camera angle and away you go. There there, you have it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's so beautiful. His word has just been intertwined within itself to say the same message repetitively over and over and over, all the way from Enoch. And um, I mean, there's just so much about it, so many facets to it. And that's why we, we have to, you know, eat it one piece at a time and we have to break it up week by week to try to just give you portions. And each week we could spend four hours more than what we're doing on this show tonight but we have to minimize it for the sake for the sake of the viewer and our own schedule. So we appreciate you joining us. And, uh, without further ado, we can jump right into this one here. If you like,
1: you know, Sean, I would like to do that. And I think, (laughs) I think we'll start in um, a really sweet book called second Baruch or the apocalypse of Baruch. And for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's an amazing book. It's, um, written by Jeremiah scribe, who's Baruch and, um, You know, he wrote down, obviously, Jeremiah's writings, and he had some of his own, which are really fascinating. So we're going to start in chapter 32 and read the first six verses. It says, but as for you, if you prepare your hearts so as to sow in them the fruits of the law, it shall protect you in that time in which the mighty one is to shake the whole creation. Because after a little time, the building of Zion will be shaken in order that it may be built again. But that building will not remain but will again after a time be rooted out and will remain desolate until the time. And afterwards it must be renewed in glory and perfected forevermore. Therefore we should not be distressed so much over the evil, which has now come as over that, which is still to be for there will be a greater trial than these two tribulations. When the mighty one will renew his creation. Sean, why did we choose to start with this?
0: Well, because there is a lot of um, modern day political talk, right? That they're going to build another temple in Israel. And that uh, we're actually, there's a lot of fundraising um, organizations that are actually, I, 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 don't, I don't want to use the word siphoning. In it. Okay. So they're receiving donations. <laughs> I'm trying to stop myself from using the word siphoning. <laughs> they're receiving donations from very good hearted Americans and Christians all across the country and the world. To help rebuild it's called the temple project and they want to rebuild another temple in jerusalem but according to what i'm reading here baruch tells us that that no this isn't the one god's bringing
1: yeah he, he puts emphasis on the fact that you know there's gonna be a couple buildings here and the one that currently is going to be destroyed in your midst which is the whole kind of the premise guys of, of this you know second baruch book is that baruch is witnessing the destruction as he calls it his mother you know jerusalem on the ground and um so yahweh's telling him that you know not only this building is going to co- you know collapse into the dust but the next one that's going to be built will as well and then until the time of the end we're waiting for you know something a little bit better than something earthly built and so Yahweh. always this on, is on the fact that, you know, don't be too distressed over this. Yes, because there's more evil to come. And uh, but ultimately, we're waiting for something much, much better.
0: So even though the wording in this particular passage you just mentioned here, of uh, Baruch chapter 32, one through six, the wording is a little um, it's a little vague. What, what, Unless you know the timeline, right, the contextual timeline of where Baruch is being a contemporary of Jeremiah. And so that means that was before the initial Babylonian or the secondary Babylonian invasion of the house of Judah Which ransacked and sieged Jerusalem and destroyed the temple So that's why we have the building of Zion is shaken As it's talking about in verse 2 But that and that it may be rebuilt again And that was the one rebuilt in, in the days of Nehemiah and Ezra But then it follows that up immediately saying But that building will not remain But will again after a time be rooted out And that's what we see with the Romans in AD 70 they came into Jerusalem, sieged it, killed 500,000 people, burned the temple, burned much of the city. Um, and it will remain in desolate until the time. And afterwards, it must be renewed in glory and perfected forevermore. So these concepts of being in glory and perfected, do we think those are going to in any way apply to a modern-day temple?
1: I really hope not.
0: <laughs> it's because it's it built by people that reject Messiah?
1: Yeah, it, it doesn't seem to line up it really doesn't but um
0: it's it's no it's not they're they're actually building a copy that has not been ordained and authorized by god god's not the foreman on that project okay. so it's a, it's a building construction project that they've come up with their own minds because they reject messiah and his authority and his priesthood and they're going to actually try to put up their own temple but god has promised them not just through this passage but through other ones in isaiah and other places that the next temple that's going to come down this third temple is the one that's perfected. And this is what Isaiah 40-48 through 48 is all about. Or excuse me, um, Ezekiel 40-48. through 48. It's all about. We won't be, be able to get into all those passages tonight, but this whole concept, we just want to introduce this idea, guys, this, as we discussed in, in uh, part one of Sitting on the Hill, is this idea that this temple that's promised is going to be in, renewed in glory and perfected. It used to be the Garden of Eden, and it's about to come back at the end of the age. And there's a and The father will bring it down. It's called the Paradise of God his house his mountain and in this within this structure this massive city There will be you know a place that's uh, more holy than the rest now And I actually just want to make a little quick preference for those people that may, may be catching Some of this language Ken, and they may be asking what about Revelation 21 and verse 22 where it says there's no temple in the New Jerusalem Well, that's where I want to encourage them to, to look into the Greek in that passage and the word used for temple there is a word that is meaning the holy of holies, not the actual temple building structure itself. Because the lamb and the and God Almighty are are akin to the holy of holies, right? That was the the seat of God, the seat of authority, the seat of power, where judgment was, uh, you know, the power of God emanated from, and also atonement was made. So that was this whole concept of literally being the seat of judgment was the holy of holies, and in the New Jerusalem will not have the same structure. Holy of Holies that was in the tabernacle or in these Two temples that we're reading about being destroyed Because but it will have temple Areas and that's what we get in Isaiah And also in uh, Ezekiel explained to us in Great detail because the lamb Is sitting on the seat of the throne Of God uh, of his father Who set him on his throne of authority and that's what we read in Enoch 60 and also Revelation chapter 2 So that's why um, This specific covered room of the Holy of Holies isn't there but the temple Itself is actually there
1: Yeah that's right man and um and actually, a, it's on a big hill, by the way. Really big hill called Zion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually made a little video on my um, my channel there, Sean, called Paradise Found. That kind of goes into some of this detail. If you guys are interested, you head over there. Um, but actually, Sean and I did some episodes on our Honor of Kings uh, show that kind of go over this whole event with Baruch. And, and Baruch is actually told that the city that he's witnessing being destroyed in front of him isn't really you know as we're saying isn't really what he should be looking forward to and he and he mentions that paradise adam was shown paradise obviously the garden of eden abraham was moses was which is the whole point of him making the you know the replica the copy for the the sh- you know the shadow on earth for what's in heaven and um and so he basically just says like, this is, this is the city that I inscribed in my hand, on the palm of my hand, as, as per you know, what he says in Isaiah. So it's just, you know, it's interesting stuff. And we discussed that in, in those episodes over on Honor Kings, if you guys want to check that out.
0: Yeah, this is, we just want people to be aware of what everything we're about to describe in these next uh, verses that we're going to read for you about the signs of the end of the age and leading up to the revelation of the city of God to be revealed for mankind, which is called Zion. This is not what modern-day political Zionists use as their political agenda for greater Israel to build the glory of what used to be the Empire of Solomon into modern-day times through force, through subjugation, and subversion. So all the promises given to Abraham and all of us who believe in faith and obedience was that this city of God would come back down, which was originally the Garden of Eden, would come back down through the firmament, land on the ground, and God does this, and man does not build this. So while we love our brethren who are believers that are missionaries in the Middle East or in, and even some that try to go be missionaries in Israel itself, and while we love all of mankind, even those who are, can call themselves modern-day Jews, whether they truly are or not, we want to show love to all of mankind. We also want to tell, we we'll compare what, what their political agendas are compared to what the Bible actually tells us is going to be happening that's enacted by the Messiah himself at his return, right, which is the day of the Lord. Yeah, so exactly. so let's read actually from the Messiah's words here in Matthew 24 uh, Because he actually uh, gives us a lot of great indications that we're going to we're gonna uh, use as a foundation To explain some of the signs of the end of the age So we'll start Matthew 24 verse 3 Where it says, and he was sitting on the Mounts of Olives And the disciples came to him privately saying Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, "I am the Christ," and will mislead many. You will hear of, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nations will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the birth beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's, loves, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, When you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on Sabbath. for Then there will be a great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then, if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance, so that if they say to you, Behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out there. Or, Behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, wherever the corpse is there the vultures will gather. Man, there's a lot in here. Uh, we'll continue to go here down to 31. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. When the son of the sign excuse me, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet that will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other.
1: Sean, unfortunately, we're not going to do this chapter justice. I mean, there's I I mean, this could be a multi-series, you know, exposition in and of itself, but I just I love how, the, how Yeshua says in verse 25, behold, I have told you in advance. And unfortunately we have, you know, factions of people who think that all this stuff has already happened. You know? yeah. And it's sad because I think Yeshua is giving those who are going to experience this in the latter days, a heads up. And he's talking as if he's literally speaking to, uh, you know, these people in that, t- like that day and age. Right. So I'm reading this as if he's speaking to me right now. Which, I mean, <laughs> it lines up with Paul, what you know, some of the stuff that Paul and Peter, all the apostles say, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. There's and that's to me, that's the kind of the thing where he's he's um, oh man, there's just so so many different facets in here that he's talking about wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and famines. We see that constantly today. Um, also the lawlessness has increased so people's love will go cold we've seen that not just in the heathens but even among believers because there is this idea of lawlessness that's taught in the modern churches today so that's we right. get that running rampant in both believers and unbelievers um, and then we see that you know he just tells the one who endures the end he'll be saved and the gospel of the kingdom should be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations then the end will come so this is where i would you know like I've told you in the past and other people, you know, I'm in the future. I want to do a documentary, you know, where I go and I ask pastors some tough questions. And one of those tough questions is, can you define the gospel, of the kingdom to me in one sentence? Yeah. I promise you maybe one out of a hundred. Good. <laughs> so, because, and I'm talking scriptural definition of the gospel, of the kingdom. And it's like, you know, it's not being preached in the churches today. It's not. And so this is a unique part where I think, you know, there's just so there's so few people I've run into in my modern life that understand the gospel of the kingdom and know how to communicate it to people, which is essentially what this entire show is doing. If people realize that, I don't know if people really understand that, but the, this concept of the coming of the kingdom of God and all the all the component pieces that the prophets talked about leading up to this, this is the good news of the kingdom to come, the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus talked about, which is what he's talking about right here, right. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. And then of course I, I love the part where he talks about um, you know, there's other other Christs, other people that even even others that may be doing signs and wonders. They're gonna show up. But he's like, No, no, you'll know the sign of the sun man in the sky because it's gonna be like when lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west. So it's it's gonna not just encompass in the, the sky, but it's gonna be happening quick. Yeah. So it's and that's why every eye will see him, you know, when he comes.
1: Yeah, Sean, verse eight, where it says, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs, that these things is, um, you know, obviously, verse seven, where it says that nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. So the birth pang concept here that, you know, she was referring to, I think kind of lines up with what we see in Isaiah 26
0: that's right we have seen this language before haven't we
1: yeah it's it's actually in, in you know the extra biblical books it's in enoch as well um but here in isaiah 26 19 it says your dead will live their corpses will rise you who lie in the dust awake and shout for joy for your dew is as the dew of the dawn and the earth will give birth to the departed spirits so here we have that birthing pain pang type of language that's being used and it's fulfillment you know one when, when the earth actually gets through the pangs and it you know delivers what's it delivering here sean
0: well i think that's what isaiah goes on to explain to us in isaiah 66 verses 6 through 9 i'll just read this to follow up what you just read real quick a voice of uproar from the city a voice from the temple the voice of the lord who is rendering recompense to his enemies before she travailed she brought forth before her pain came she gave birth to a boy who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her sons. And shall I bring to the point of delivery and not give delivery, says the Lord? Or shall I who gives delivery shut the womb, says your God? And so he's rhetorically, you know, saying, no, he's going to he's gonna bring forth the sons from her. Zion, who
1: travails. Yeah, Sean, unfortunately, we I think we've all heard that, you know. This has been fulfilled in 1948, verse eight. <laughs> Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once, guys? No, this is referring literally to one day, and it's a nation. literally
0: one day. Because the modern day people that live in the land that are considered themselves Jewish people, um, that you know, even though there's that's highly contested genealogically for all of them, all right. And uh, and also spiritually, Paul would disagree since they reject Messiah <laughs> so uh, that they're not truly Jews anyway. But they've also been systematically over 40, 50 years shipping in more people.
1: That's right. And they're shipping in uh, modern day Levites, right, from Ethiopia.
0: That's right. So this did not happen in one day. And it's uh, and nor and has clearly we're you know, the, f- the end of the birth pangs is the birth. So if that already happened, we shouldn't still be having all these signs of birth pangs. Sure. And that's why that's why we're referring to Isaiah 26, 19, is a day of the Lord moment where the literally the earth bursts departed spirits. This is the resurrection being referred to as Zion travailed. She gave birth and brought forth her sons. So this is the this is the promise of the heavenly temple above, the voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord who is rendering recommends to his enemies. Zion above, the king of Zion is our Messiah, right? he with the he remember he descends with a shout the voice of the archangel and and first thessalonians 4 13 through 18. and in this moment there is the beginning of the resurrection and let's go on to read more about it all right it's First 15.
1: yeah i can grab that sean sure we'll start with verse 50 and it says paul's saying now i say this brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable and you know, that directly correlates with another conversation that Yeshua had with Nicodemus in John chapter three. You guys, you know, feel free to check that out. John and, and I have actually discussed and broke down, you know, what's being discussed there between Nicodemus and Yeshua in that in that uh, chapter and other episodes. But in verse fifty one he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality now sean one of the reasons why i wanted to bring this particular um pauline passage up is because of kind of the tense that he's using in these in these verses so he's you know he's saying now i say this brethren yes he is he is sending this to the corinthian congregation absolutely but I believe that Paul's kind of giving those in latter days a heads up with the knowledge that he was revealed, and so he's kind of. It's just interesting how it's worded here because it's specifically for those people who would be reading, who he considers his brethren in future times. So it's really fascinating.
0: Yeah, man, good point. That's wild. Yeah, Paul. Uh, Paul definitely heard, spoke. Uh, sorry, trying to accomplish Paul's
1: audience. Sorry, but I, I've heard many times that, you know, these guys didn't know exactly, you know, they thought that the kingdom was coming right then and there. And, and you know, I, I think that they had a, a decent grasp on the timeline itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just simply because they, in my opinion, everything we're talking about tonight, they knew the signs of the end of the age <laughs> because it's, Jesus didn't make this stuff up. He's repeating the stuff from the prophets before him. That's right. Which is why at the end of Matthew 24 in verse 31, he talks about he will gather his elect from the four winds. He sends his angels out to gather his elect from the four winds. That's what we're reading about right now, guys. It's the first resurrection. It kicks off the day of the Lord, which is the biggest sign of the end of the age of his coming. There's some little signs that lead up to it. Wars, rumors of wars, but there's always been war, right? So that can sometimes feel subjective uh, to your personal perception of where you live in the world. If you lived on uh, some remote island like Tahiti, you may not be. You may not be familiar with some of the wars going on in Bosnia, right, or whatever. Yeah. So that that can be kind of subjective, right? And you may never feel an earthquake if you live in Tahiti all of your life. I don't know what they're what what the earthquakes are like down there, but the point is, no one will miss the day of the Lord when there's one of the descriptions we're about to give, and especially specifically the resurrection, because the prophets before Yeshua all describe these same things that Yeshua is describing. So, real quick, for example, like the Apocalypse of Baruch, uh, Ken, chapter fifty um he actually he describes the same passage like you just read in isaiah and also in in first corinthians chapter 50 says and he answered and said unto me hear baruch this word and write in the remembrance of your hearts actually give me just one second i'm going to try to screen share this for the for the people if i can if it if it lets me brother and it's not going to let me so never mind um yeah it's it's really weird how it does that it just it doesn't let me some nights and some nights it does so um
1: did you all, read all right, you so I'll
0: just read it for folks uh, I'm sorry we didn't have slides prepared this evening We were, we were both really really busy this weekend uh, Verse 50 in 2nd Baruch He's talking about the resurrection He says and he answered and said unto me Hear Baruch this word and write in the remembrance of your heart All that you shall learn For the earth shall then assuredly restore the dead Which it now receives in order to preserve them It shall make no change in their form But as it has received so shall it restore them And as I have delivered them unto it So also shall it raise them For then it will be necessary to show the living that the dead have come to life. And again, that those who have departed have returned again. And it shall come to pass when they have severely recognized those whom they knew. Then judgment shall grow strong. And those things which before were spoken of shall come. And that growing strong of the judgment is the rest of the the events of the day of the Lord that we're talking about here. So we've got this. That's why I've always say that the first resurrection kickstarts the day of the Lord. It's the big sign. That that even the unbelievers are going to see when they recognize, like this verse says, they severely recognize them whom they knew.
1: Yeah, it, which is interesting. I mean, it says it shall make no change in their form, but as the earth received, so shall it restore them. Right. And you know, I think Sean, um, when I when I read this passage, I immediately was brought to um, to mind First Samuel twenty eight where. You know, the witch is seeing an old man and she describes Samuel. And so, yeah, in my opinion, this is kind of a, you know, it backs that up, that that understanding of how we die. You know, the earth receives us and that we return in the same appearance. And so he was kind of brought up in a sense, not literally resurrected or anything, but she saw the form of Samuel and, and King Saul totally recognized and knew it was him. So it wasn't like it was a, a weird looking entity or a wispy cloud or something weird that was totally asleep. But it was, you know, in the form that he died in. So And when
0: you mean, I just want to clarify for the viewer, Ken, if, you, if you'll uh, allow me to humor me just a second. But and you're talking about the form, you're not talking about how you're not talking about a person's age, but you're talking about my arms and, and legs and hands. And I look like a physical form, right?
1: Yeah, I think I think somehow that while well, people were, are going to recognize, right? This is what mm-hmm. Zuckerberg is talking about that those who were alive and the dead come alive, they're going to recognize those people because it's going to give back the same form, the same appearance. They're going to say, "Oh my gosh, that's that's brother's, you know, Steve. What the heck?" Like cuz we'll be able to recognize him. Well, for sure.
0: Yeah, but but I'm not like if my grandfather that died at 91, I don't I think isn't there a lot of other verses in, about concerning the resurrection that he comes back renewed in his youth, not literally as a ninety-one year old. Yeah, I mean, that's that's yeah, what I'm asking you just for clarification for that for the viewer. Yeah,
1: that's where I've been studying whether or not, like, we literally, when we're resurrected, we take on that form right away, or if there's some, some sort of a like transformation process after this sign or something. But it, that's how it reads to me, and I could you know I could be very wrong in saying that, but. Um, yeah i don't know
0: because i just think of jesus as our example and i look at how he was raised to be in the same fashion of a man but yet because of what enoch tells us and what um you know all the some of these other passages we've referenced in the past talk about the the difference between having a spiritual body and how it can assume many forms how jesus tells us in matthew 22 we're made like the angels and so while we may still look like a normal person we're not going to come back like a bear or a or a salamander or a tiger, we still come back in the form of a man, but yet we now have this ability that Jesus exemplified after his resurrection. He still look like the form of a man, yet he's made of a different type of material, the spirit and water, that he can actually uh, change his appearance if he wanted to. Yeah. So but he was there still could be some time. of that happening. Go ahead, brother.
1: People still knew, like they recognized his appearance, that they knew, oh, that was Yeshua, right? And he may yeah. have, a, you know, he um, can change his form, and, and which he did a few times, right? To kind of trick them a little bit, but...
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at and trying to add to what you're saying is that uh, there were some that recognized him because he he allowed them to recognize him, if that makes any sense. And there's others he disguised his appearance to them, even though they were talking with him, sitting there looking him in the eye, they didn't recognize him until he then allowed them to recognize him again. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And that's where I'm thinking this could be that moment where. We now have this ability, so the people that are seeing us, when the angels come to get us, and those standing by might see us, might realize, oh, they they can recognize us for who we were, but at the same time, we're not going to be resurrected as a ninety-five year old. Does that make any
1: sense? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure.
0: I just there is obviously um, some unique perspective in that in that concept as far as like how Will they recognize those who are just resurrected? And it may not happen for everybody, clearly, right? Because if we're if we're resurrected from every place under the heaven, as Matthew 25, 30 or 24, uh, 31 talked about, then the people that knew you may not live where you were dead and buried. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we might we might have people that are raised out of graves in San Francisco, but they died there at the end of their life, and all their family lived in Toledo. You see what I'm saying? So like, I don't know, I don't know exactly if this particular verse is going to apply to every single person alive, but will definitely apply to enough people to where it's, it's obviously fulfilled. But um, just something I've always been thinking about after reading this verse.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. But uh,
0: yeah, good point, brother. Good point. Do you want to take the next one?
1: Yeah, We're in Enoch, aren't we? I think. Yeah. Guys, we're in first Enoch chapter 94. Verses eight and nine, it says, Woe to you, you rich, for you have trusted in your riches, and from your riches shall you depart, because you have not remembered the Most High in the days of your riches. You have committed blasphemy and unrighteousness and have become ready for the day of slaughter and the day of darkness and the day of the great judgment.
0: Yeah. So this is uh, just simply the, the latter half of this, this episode, we just wanted to kind of move into... We've already discussed one of the big signs that Jesus talked about, right? Which is before this temple returns, this final temple that, that Baruch mentioned, there's all these signs that lead up to it. And Jesus talked about one of these big signs, in addition to the earthquakes, the, flame, the famine, uh, the lawlessness, was this concept of the resurrection. Now, as you guys know, uh, Ken and I have already done an entire episode on specifically the first resurrection. Like What we do it, like three weeks ago, Ken? It was called Immortality and the End of Days. And so you're welcome to go to the playlist here on Parable of the Vineyard and, and go watch that one, because uh, we had a lot of fun doing that one. You know that was a that was a good one. And then um, that was right before we did the Leviathan one. But um, so basically, you guys can go get detailed, in-depth look at the at some of the passages we just you know quickly referenced tonight from that episode. But the next the next half of this show, we wanted to kind of focus on some of the things that were going on with the surrounding nations that's some of the signs of the coming of the end of the age. And so this is what he's reading here is about some of the Kings and the rich of the earth and how they're, um, they're assembled together on this day of darkness. And so, uh, so I want to jump over to Joel. Yeah. Unless you had any commentary about Enoch 94.
1: Um. Yeah. Don't trust in your riches people.
0: <laughs> that's right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we know that it's easier for a, uh, you know, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man enters into the kingdom of God. So,
0: right, it's absolutely yeah, and that's where you know we see countless times in the prophecies how you know the the rich and the, the kings of the earth, the wealthy of the earth, are constantly being reprimanded for trying to fight Yeshua at his return. You know, now just so the viewers not mistaken, Ken, I don't want them to think that we're telling people that you know, the local mayor in their town who may be a wealthy man who owns property. He might own the the funeral home or something in their town. I don't know, but what, you know, we're not saying like the local wealthy man in your town, it could be your granddad. We're not saying he's, he's included in this group. This is a very specific group of people um, that come against the Lord that rule the nations behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, but here in Joel three, we get another little mention of this, and this is going to be in verses nine through 17. It says, proclaim this among the nations, prepare war, Rouse the mighty men, let all the soldiers draw near, and let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords, and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I'm a mighty man. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down, O Lord, your mighty ones. Let the nations be aroused, and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. And put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the Valley of Decision, For the day of the Lord is near in the Valley of Decision. Sun and moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth tremble, but the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy, and strangers will pass through it no more.
1: It's awesome. Sean, verse um verse 10 there is kind of the inverse to uh, what Isaiah says in chapter 2, 3 to 4, where it says, um, take your swords and, and beat them into plowshares.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: And this is like, take your plowshares and beat them into
0: swords. Yeah, and this is the call being put out to all the nations to draw them in. And this has been a, actually you know something that I don't think you and I have ever talked about on any of our broadcasts we've done together. Is this idea of all the mentions of the nations that assemble themselves against Jerusalem to destroy and siege Jerusalem before the Lord returns? The the, the one on the ground, right? So they they come in and they they actually assemble in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, so it's going to be you know up in the Valley of Armageddon, right? Um, they actually assemble in this in this northern area just above Jerusalem. I think it's like an hour or two above Jerusalem. But they're already invading the city itself And they're destroying it and, and burning when, and So there's already being ransacked As we see in, in other places I think Zephaniah 2 covers that a little bit but, um, but most of the nation's armies Are gathering together in this, For this battle of Armageddon Which we're going to read about here in a minute Because they want to fight Jesus when he returns But as this talks about here In this passage and as we also see in Zechariah 14 It's just talking about people With donkeys and camels And spears and swords yeah. So there's no mention of like tanks and drones and ICBMs, you know what I mean? So like, what, what do you think about
1: that, bro? Well, I think, and you know, I hate to parrot what you say, but I, I, I think there is some sort of a weird electromagnetic, you know, um, event that takes place where all electronics kind of become null and void at sometime around the juncture of that that time and so they had to kind of resort to using those you know ancient ways of (laughs) um, being mobile and and warfare and stuff so
0: we talked about in the second episode here that you know the heavens will shake at his return and this is we, we just we we dissected the concept of what the word heaven is that the genesis describes it as a structure called the firmament we looked at that from many different angles even from the the concordance and the lexicon Right. And we looked at what that is and why it's being ripped open or well, it's being, excuse me, being rolled back like a scroll at his return and how he comes down through it with his army, right? With his angels. And then also behind him later comes down the new Jerusalem through it. And so, but we talked about how this, this mighty quaking that would happen, like we've already read not just in uh, Matthew 24 and Luke 17, but also here in Joel three and this mighty quaking that's going to happen that, Isaiah 30 says all the towers of the cities of the nations are going to fall on this day. Yep. So that's a big earthquake that, that really reshapes, if you will, the cityscapes of, of the entire earth, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible since this thing is full of power. <laughs> this is why the sun and moon go dark, because there's like a huge EMP burst across the world. It's, that's just my opinion, is that because Psalm 150, verse one calls the ferment the ferment of power. And we're told that there's water above it. And just from my basic understanding of electromagnetism and dielectric energy uh, at zero point coldness and different things like that, that would would fit the descriptions of how our how our uh, creation works with, you know, the, the noble gases rising up continually and the firmament being there um, with the waters above it. That's that seem to be salinated uh, from other descriptions. All those things together, it just seems like this is a perfect conduit for an amazing amount of electrical power. That would actually create a sense of magnetism um, that we experience, which gives us density and buoyancy. Okay, so this is uh, probably, you know, for another show, some of that. I'm just trying to preface people this idea that if he's going to break that system open, okay, if if this is just a huge power plant and he disrupts the the uh, the source of the flow of the power no wonder the sun and moon go dark no wonder the stars fall to the ground no wonder there's a massive earthquake that because you know you can create earthquakes with electrical you know with uh, sound frequency and electrical charge so like there's massive things happening to the creation like isaiah 24 says the earth is rent asunder it's broken and so i just think that um this could be this is just my theory ken this could be why there's no planks planes and tanks and Ballistic missiles and all kinds of things being spoken of here of any kind, but people are just having to use stuff that they can literally fashion into a sword. Right, get on the nearest donkey because he survived the earthquake and grab a piece of metal and make it sharp real quick. And everybody head to to Israel because we're about to fight this alien invader, whom they'll clearly lie to. You know, they won't call
1: it the creators coming back; they'll just lie,
0: say it's an yeah. alien invasion or something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's everything you just described there, Sean. That needs to be made into a TV series or a movie, or you know, a multi-novel book series.
0: Well, <laughs> it it almost it almost was with the whole movie series about um, Independence Day, because they with their with their blasts with the aliens' blasts, you know, many of them didn't have all their modern, you know, uh, warfare weapons, right? Tanks and things like that. And so they, you know, there, I think there's a scene in there, if I'm not mistaken, at the end of the movie where you've got other countries, not, not the, not America where Will Smith is, you know, with the, with the, the few remaining fighter jets that he had, but the other, uh, other countries. And they're on like camels and horses, Arabian horses with swords, and they're all excited and they're cheering because these big alien things are falling down. They finally figured out how to beat them. Well, if you just didn't flip that, since the enemy is always turning things on its head, then the coming creator would you know would be the things they're trying to fight off that seem to have overwhelming power and they got to figure out how to defeat it so um
1: yeah hollywood is sneaky eh yeah always putting things out there for us to you know that's crazy (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, so i mean
0: obviously that that last you know five minutes of speaking we just had a little bit of conjecture trying to figure out why they would want to bring swords and spears (laughs) instead of I mean unless they're going to start naming missiles you know spears but and maybe they have I don't know but I you know that's kind of a playful adaptation but but clearly the nations are are surrounding themselves and that's and this is we got to ask why why are they surrounding themselves why are they trying to come up and gather themselves to fight the father or excuse me to fight the father's messiah jesus christ at his return yeah
1: yeah, one thing for sure, I've, I think, is that, you know, we know that the, the firmament is attached to the circle of the earth, right? So if you're going to shake the entire plane of the, the circle of the earth and you're rending the heavens, you're running the firmament open and everything's shaking because it's all attached and all that makes sense to me. And, you know, I agree. This whole thing is like a battery. It's like a huge power supply. And if you disrupt it that way, I mean, we're going back to this, you know, the stone age of how we <laughs> deal with so. Cool, man. All right.
0: You want to take the next one?
1: Yeah, totally. All right, guys. We are in Revelation 16. Starting with verse 13, and it says, John here, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world, to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place, which is in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there was a great earthquake such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it and so mighty. The great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And huge hailstones, about 100 pounds each, came down from heaven upon men. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail because its plague was extremely severe. Wow.
0: So demons gathered all the nations to war against, against the return Messiah.
1: Yeah. So we have some, um, Kings getting demonically possessed, obviously to, to go about making their commands to send, you know, those yeah. nations to, to gather there at that Valley. That's pretty
0: wild. It's pretty wild. And this is of course coming from the beast, the false prophet and, uh, and the dragon themselves. Yeah. So this, uh, unholy Trinity, if you will, is, is kind of, the convincing the armies of the earth people that still have armies, I guess at this time to try to fight. But as we already read, well, actually we're going to read here at the, in the apocalypse of Baruch, we're going to read that. Apparently not all the nations participate in this. That's right. We actually see that in Zechariah 14 uh, as a parallel, but we're going to read from the apocalypse of Baruch tonight because he kind of explains it much more in great to tell. And so you have to do less deductive reasoning. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, apparently they're gathering as many of the nations that are willing to come and fight. They're trying to get them to come and fight the Messiah's return. And yeah. so um, this is not the moment when Jesus turns the other
1: cheek. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And I wonder, Sean, in verse 17, this is speculation too. And I think I've told you this before, but um, where it says that the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. I just wonder if that's Yeshua yelling that. Just like he was on the cross, where he said it is finished. Now he's saying it's, very it's possible, possible. Yeah, it would make for a cool little correlation, but I mean, obviously, we don't have any information that would prove that. But
0: yeah, basically, so. he's mounting his horse, and then as he kicks it to take off, he screams, "It is done." Yeah. So I don't know. It's possible, man. It's very it's possible.
1: Interesting imagery. And then verse 19 here: the great city was split into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. So the great city there, we're we're thinking that is modern, modern
0: day Jerusalem.
1: Yeah, yeah. So three parts it's being split into. That's uh, that's interesting.
0: And that's, um, I believe that's what you read earlier, right? That uh, whoever escapes from the earthquake, or have we got? We haven't gotten to that part yet, actually.
1: Well, I guess so that was in Matthew twenty-four, right? Flea yeah, there the is. A,
0: there's, yes, there's, a, there's, but I meant. Um, um we're gonna read out of the apocalypse of baruch here in a minute where it talks about this yes. great earthquake and those who are trying to escape it yeah you go and ahead so, buddy <laughs> i'm sorry i was just getting ahead of myself <laughs> that's <it. laughs> Some, so many good verses here um but yeah the next thing that we want to look at real quick and if you want ken i'll i'll uh, read 70 and you can read 71 72.
1: sure sounds good
0: okay and then uh here in the apocalypse of baruch chapter 70 we're looking at this at this moment here that we've been describing okay And uh, Baruch describes it as this Hear therefore the interpretation of the last black waters, which are to come after the black. This is the word Behold, the days come, and it shall be when the time of the age has ripened, and the harvest of its evil and good seeds has come, that the mighty one will bring upon the earth and its inhabitants and upon its rulers perturbation of spirit and stupor of heart. And they shall hate one another and provoke one another to fight. The mean shall rule over the honorable. And those of low degree shall be extolled above the famous, and the many shall be delivered into the hands of the few. And those who are nothing shall rule over the strong, and the poor shall have abundance beyond the rich, and the impious shall exalt themselves above the heroic, and the wise shall be silent, and the foolish shall speak. Neither shall the thought of men be then confirmed, nor the counsel of the mighty, nor shall the hope of those who hoped be confirmed, when those things which were predicted have come to pass, Then shall confusion fall upon all men, and some of them shall fall in battle, and some of them shall perish in anguish, and some of them shall be destroyed by their own. And then the most high peoples, whom he has prepared before, and they shall come and make war with the leaders that shall then be left. And it shall come to pass that whoever gets safe out of the war shall die in the earthquake, and whoever gets safe out of the earthquake shall be burned by the fire, and whoever gets safe out of the fire shall be destroyed by famine. And it came to pass that whoever of the victors and the vanquished gets safe out of and escapes all these things after said will be delivered into the hands of mine servant Messiah for all the earth shall devour its inhabitants.
1: Yeah, wow. That's that's it's, so it's a, lot, it is a lot, man. This reminds
0: me of that passage in, um man, I think it's uh, uh, Isaiah 19. I can't remember exactly where it says, I will make men rare. Rare is the gold of Ophir.
1: Hmm.
0: Talking about few in number, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Verse two here, Sean, is really, I mean, we have we see that kind of verbiage, that um, harvesting verbiage throughout the scriptures, don't we?
0: Yes, yes. And this is to me where Matthew 13, he sends the angels out, you know, to gather the tares for battle. And then the, the good seeds, you know, they've been, they're the resurrection that we were referring to earlier. But the harvest of its evil is those who have been gathered together, the, the demons that went out to gather the nations for war. They're the tares that are being gathered so they can be burned. Yeah. Um, they're defeated they're the wine press that's be, about to be stomped on basically
1: yeah it's crazy the second half of verse two where it says that the mighty one will bring upon the earth and its inhabitants and upon its rulers perturbation of spirit and stupor of heart that actually um parallels back several chapters in the same book of baruch in, in chapter 25 where it says you know bruce asking for a sign of the end of the days really and he's saying and the father says um This therefore shall be the sign when a stupor shall seize the inhabitants of the earth and they shall fall into many tribulations and again when they shall fall into great torments and it will come to pass when they say in their thoughts by reason of their much tribulation god does no longer remember the earth yeah it will come to pass when they abandon hope that the time will then awake so to me that's interesting sean because it's like i don't know about you brothers and sisters who may be watching but I've gotten to that place in my life years ago where I was just like, father, are you here? Like, did you complete? like, is this, have you abandoned this place completely? Yeah. And I know a lot of people have, have, you know, asked the same question. Right. And, you know, it gives me chills even just thinking about it because, you know, when, when the inhabitants of the earth start, you know, thinking of this and asking the father, this that's when the time will then awake, which is crazy to me. And, and
0: if I could, Ken, and this is just, Unfortunately, I don't have a specific scripture to back this up. This is just conjecture, guys. But um, the most fitting of what we just described, because not not just what you re- reiterated, Ken, but the rest, like verse 3, 4, and 5, where it talks about um, uh, just everything it's saying. The low degree shall be stalled over the famous. Uh, the many shall be delivered in the hands of the few. Those who are nothing shall rule over the strong. The poor shall have abundance over the rich. All this thing that seems to be turning all of society on its head. Okay. There is no counsel of the mighty. There's no hope of those who hope to be confirmed. And when those things were predicted to come to pass, a great confusion should fall upon men. Okay, so what I'm thinking is happening here, if I could, is it seems like this would be really fitting if this was the Revelation 13 moment. And if this is the time period, the season, if you will, the era or, or the, uh, the, the days and the months, if you will, where, The image of the beast has been given life and he goes around forcing people to worship the beast. And then everyone who doesn't take this mark is, you know, is doesn't can't participate in life. Right. And so therefore, if that image of the beast goes around the whole world, forcing people to worship the beast or they get killed. And as we've talked before about, you know, um, he goes around the whole world. But does he make it to the whole world within 40, 42 months? How is he is he using the, the hundreds of millions of things that came out of the pit with polyon to enact this this agenda and to go enforce this agenda? Because the the you know the, the land of the earth and all the countries is a big place, right? So it's to try to reach everybody. And also we know there's famines happening. There's wars happening right now. So it's almost as if people are trying to fight back against this, which is why we're going to read here in a minute that there are some nations that actually did not fight against the Messiah which means they did not join forces with the beast, yeah. right? And so it makes me wonder if all this stuff that we're reading here about these men who go into this, this thing here is they're fighting the beast. The, the people that don't take the mark of the beast, they're fighting the beast and his, his uh, advances, so to speak, upon humanity. And those who have taken the mark of the beast, they're, they're under a form of mind control, if you will. So therefore, they can't even think straight. They're under a spirit of stupor. And so you've got all of men on all mankind on the earth, greatly losing hope. <laughs> yeah, okay. and then some being controlled in their thinking where they're just under a stupor. And so um, that's just, that would be, you know, kind of a practical application I'm seeing for these things to play out. According yeah, to this,
1: that makes sense to me,
0: which is why they'd be dumb enough to be drawn together to try to battle him at his return. When he's coming back with angels like that, you know, yeah. I mean, do angels look scary like monster aliens coming at you? No. I mean, they look like, you know, I, I would imagine like, uh, I don't know. I just, I have a I struggle with it. I really do. So it makes me think they're under some sort of mind control.
1: Well, all they need to do is read. What is it? Is it, um, second Ezra's or is it in this book? Second Baruch where Ramael takes kind of the, you know, the blame for the 185,000 Assyrians that he destroyed in the period of one night. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to be, you have to be pretty foolish to, you know, advance against such an army. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, all right, man. Do you want me, I can jump into 71 here. Sure. 72. Go ahead. 72. All right, guys, we're still in second Baruch here, chapter 71. And, and it says, and the holy land shall have mercy on its own and it shall protect its inhabitants at that time. This is the vision which you've seen. And this is the interpretation For I've come to tell you these things because your prayer has been heard with the most high. Chapter 72 says, hear now also regarding the bright lightning, which is to come at the consummation after these black waters. This is the word. After the signs have come, of which you were told before, when the nations become turbulent, and the time of my Messiah has come, he shall both summon all the nations, and some of them he shall spare, and some of them he shall slay. These things, therefore, shall come upon the nations, which are to be spared by him every nation which knows not israel and has not trodden down the seed of jacob shall indeed be spared and this because some sorry and this because some out of every nation shall be subjected to your people but all those who have ruled over you or have known you shall be given up to the sword
0: praise god man <laughs> yeah because my heart goes out for even those who are not who do not believe who do not understand the love of our god and his messiah yeah Praise God that they're shown mercy so they get another chance because they didn't trod down the seed of Jacob. And who's the seed of Jacob?
1: Everyone who's keeping the commandments, and that's in covenant. That's
0: right. All those who believe in faith and obedience, and it's not just literal Jews, right? That's right. In modern day Israel. So this yeah. is a false system of protection that's been insulated into the culture, you know, that, uh, that we're supposed to protect Israel. When they reject Messiah, they'll be fighting him in his return. So this is talking about all the believers across the world, like in Matthew 24, 31 said when he sends his angels out to gather the elect, which is the seed of Jacob, according to the scriptural definition, gather the elect from all, you know, everywhere under heaven. Deuteronomy 30 verse four also uh, mentions this at one point and says that, you know, well, he will regather you from everywhere under heaven where you've been scattered. And so um, this includes those who are being resurrected as well. But this whole concept is if you're in a nation and you did not persecute believers, you'll be spared
1: yeah yeah exactly it just makes things really interesting when we consider you know the new world order agenda right just to kind That's of right. you know if i can say globalize every you know bring everyone into a genesis 11 type of scenario where you got one, a one world ruler and you know one language one religion one all of that stuff and it seems like all the nations that kind of are confederate today are trying to you know, make things a little easier for one when he, when he turns, right?
0: Yeah, which essentially what they're doing is, um, I think it's man, oh man, hang on uh, let me see if I can find it
1: real quick uh, but I just find it super interesting that, I mean, we don't really get this information of I mean, correct me if I'm wrong Sean, I think, did you say somewhere in Zechariah? But, you know, where it says that there's going to be nations that Yeshua spares because they didn't attack them, meaning that they didn't go along with the right. agenda prior to that that's, that's really right. good news to hear i mean that's I, I wonder what those nations would be yeah i mean in
0: fact you know it looks like it looks like egypt is one of those nations because they're specifically mentioned in zechariah 14 yeah as as being you know um required that they come up for the feast of booths to they come up to the, the city of god for the feast of booths so you know, I don't know if it's the modern geographical border of Israel, if it's uh, father, only Father knows the specific bloodline descendants of ancient Israel. Uh, excuse me, I'm saying the wrong words. I don't know if it's the modern-day geographical border of ancient Egypt, um, or which kingdom, or which. I don't know how he's defining Egypt in that passage, as far as its fulfillment at the day of the Lord. But he specifically names Egypt by in that passage. But also, I just want to reference real quick that it's in a, um, Deuteronomy 19. And 1914, also 27, 27:17, where he's talking about uh, he that removes the ancient uh, landmarks um, or the ancient boundary stones um, that uh, that were de- described and given for the inheritance um, that he's accursed. He's not. He's not. It's not good, right? Yeah. And so this whole one world order kind of concept, this whole new world is, is just is to get rid of borders altogether, not just in the promised land of Israel, but in all nations. So they're blatantly. Disrespecting God's judgment At Genesis 11 for mankind Which he apportioned out 70 different nations for mankind Among the the descendants and the sons of Noah And so this is actually Him coming back To enforce a law he set down Among mankind that even the angels Were supposed to obey way back in the day Like this whole concept From Genesis 11 That that small storyline is also Being wrapped up on the day
1: of the Lord as well Yeah and that even stems back even earlier Sean do we we know that you know when the boys got off the boat after the flood right they went and, and yeah you know took over the land that was <laughs> uninhabited between the sons and they you know they cast their lots and you know whatever portion their lot landed on those sons would inherit that land and they were to maintain their borders and not cross into them and it's just this constant land battle you know That's Which right is fascinating.
0: Yeah, and that's why, um, just for those who aren't aware, that's why the land of Canaan is called the land of Canaan in Scripture, because uh, Canaan, s- by sedition, is what it was defined as sedition. He went into the land that is what modern-day you know, Israel, that was called the land of the Palestine, land of Philistines, and uh, he went in that, that area and set up shop after the flood, several generations after the flood, and he was not supposed to. That was supposed to be Shem's land. Yeah. Which is why we see in Genesis fourteen, Shem is still living there, has the sack, But all around him are the Philistines and all around him are um, you know, the all these descendants of Canaan, and that's why they called it the land of Canaan. It would have been called the land of Shem.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and it definitely opens up your eyes a little more to the whole Canaanite conquest, right? Going back and trying right. to get the land back that was promised to Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They had their own lands. You guys didn't, you know, you would <laughs> anyways that's another episode probably but
0: no but I mean that's it's kind of important and this is the whole purpose of why he says continually um throughout the you know the, the prophets and even in Julius 23 he's saying anyone that you know the, the Canaanites will fully be routed out of the land of promise because they were never supposed to be there to begin with they went in there against the authority of ham Ham told him no don't do it Noah told him no don't do it I'm sure Shem didn't want him to do it but any he did it anyway and he went and he started you know put his tents in that area that was given to Shem and started having babies and they took over, you know what I'm saying? Because he saw the land was good. And it was supposedly he was originally given like um, the south, uh, like the, the Atlantic side of Africa and the, the three quarters of the Atlantic side of Africa. Like that huge portion of land was given to Canaan. But he was like, I don't want it. I want Shem's land. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like this is an age-old conversation that's being wrapped up here on the day of the Lord, when uh, the Promised Land sits down on the land that's promised to the seed of Jacob, which Jacob was given the same blessings of of Shem and Noah that that Abraham blessed him with in Jubilees 19 and 22. And so this is like this is all this is coming to great fulfillment and great importance. And the Antichrist comes in and he's trying to remove all the boundary stones. He's trying. He's not. He's throwing caution to the wind. He doesn't care. He's trying to create Agenda 21. He's trying to create a new world order. And uh, and the father clearly doesn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah.
1: Right on, man. You, um. What do we got here? Do you want to go to the back three?
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I'll I'll jump over there real quick, and we'll finish up. But uh, ultimately, we want to we want to spread hope. That's our goal with these—to show you all the details that are coming up with the return of Messiah, and how it's important to understand the context of these ideas leading up to this, so that. If you are alive during this time period, that you know the signs of his coming. You're not fooled, like Jesus tried to warn you ahead of time. And all the prophets have warned us ahead of time so that you're not fooled. And that you know these specific signs about the coming of the, of the true Messiah, our Lord and Savior Jesus of Nazareth. That's right. So here in Habakkuk 3, verses 10-11, uh, it says, The mountains saw you and quaked. The downpours of water swept by. The deep uttered forth its voice. It lifted high its hands sun and moon stood in their places they went away at the light of your arrows at the radiance of your gleaming spear you in, indign- in indignation excuse me i can't say that in indignation you marched to the earth in anger you trampled the nations you went forth for the salvation of your people for the salvation of your anointed you struck the head of the house of evil to lay him open from thigh to neck
1: yeah that's who's the house of evil
0: Yeah, we got all the component pieces here, folks. We've got the mountains are quaking because he's coming back, that massive earthquake we read about in Revelation 16. The sun and moon, they're not just not shining. They're not even moving anymore, right? We haven't seen that since the day of Joshua, right? And we got in uh, chapter 12, verse 12, he's going through the nations and any nation, trampling them for salvation. And he's going to lay someone open. And I think, uh, Ken, you'll you'll read that next part there, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, we're back in... uh second baruch here chapter 40 and it says the last leader of that time will be left alive when the multitude of hosts will be put to the sword and he will be bound and they will take him up to mount zion and my messiah will convict him of all his impieties and will gather and set before him all the works of his hosts and afterwards he will put him to death and protect the rest of my people which shall be found in the place which i have chosen and his principate will stand forever until the world of corruption is at an end and until the times aforesaid are fulfilled. This is your vision, and this is its interpretation. That's so cool, because, I mean, Sean, I think we both agree this is talking about Apollyon, Abaddon, Nimrod, right? This last leader who gets taken up by the Messiah up onto Mount Zion, is convicted, and is laid open thigh to neck. Finally, we get to some some justice, right? Some (laughs) angel justice. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and I can only imagine, he says, you know, he'll be bound and they will take him up to Mount Zion. So like I've said before, this is like the, um, literally, this is a huge moment of irony. Because, you know, from all of our research we've done on the, on the beast who's, Polyon comes out of the pit and um, connecting him back to Nimrod, you know, through all the ancient books and the text, both in the canon and the extra biblicals. It seems so fascinating because he's the only one who had the stated mission statement of ascending to heaven which is the paradise of god and killing god and sitting on the throne of glory right he's the only one that wanted to put that wanted to actually do that and he doesn't get to do that he's he's stopped right because he's just a man and he's ridiculous and so this guy the first time he gets to go into the paradise of god to mount zion is is when he's bound and being taken up for judgment and i can only see him like hogtied if you will like the ropes are over the center of his mass, you know, and his legs are just kicking, and an angel's just dragging him up, you know, and he's just super disgraced, and he's just before, <laughs> and, you know, he has to answer for all the people he slaughtered, all the nations he deceived, all the babies he sacrificed, all the the wickedness that he performed at every turn throughout the centuries, and I just uh, we'll finally, sh- Baal and Moloch are going to be thrown in the lake of fire, and uh, they're going to get theirs. Justice will. Yeah.
1: And that's, I know we both have said this already in, in episodes past, but this is why I think Jasher will be so awesome to be, you know, validated because we have this moment where Nimrod knows that someone from the seed of Abraham is going to, in the latter days, take care of him. And here we have it right here in these passages we just read, right? The Messiah, that's, that's the seed. <laughs> so right, Nimrod knows, he's been he knows the whole time, right? And it's just crazy.
0: I mean, we get excited when we've seen when we when someone t- tells us that you know, like, okay, so has there been ever a time in your life where someone told you the to end of the movie, but you went and saw that movie anyway?
1: Yeah, there has. right.
0: You, you even though you know jokingly, you would probably have told that person, "Hey, don't spoil the movie for me, right? Why'd you tell me the ending?" But yeah, you were so ingrained in that movie and in the storyline was so enamoring to you that you went and you saw it anyway, even though you knew how it was going to end, and and once you saw the fulfillment of what led up to the end of that movie it was that much more satisfying that much more fun to watch and so um this is what i love about the father giving us his word yeah. right he's told us the end of the movie but man we're gonna <laughs> i think uh can if i could rather i think i mean playfully right i'm just saying this playfully the father's going to show us this movie And all the all the component pieces leading up. I mean, we got a thousand years. He could sit. I mean, whether he shows it to us or just tells us in story time, sitting around the campfire at night, I don't know. The point is, he. I just feel like this. You know, everything that we're already we've got in these pieces that we're having to put together through the prophets throughout the ages is just going to be one succinct story that we'll be able to tell all the nations that survived the day of the Lord. And we're the royal priesthood and we're teaching them these words of the Lord about what happened, about who this guy was and who Apollyon rolled in the authority of, which was the dragon and how he's going to come back in a thousand years. And you don't be deceived by him. And he's the guy that deceived all these generations. And even Apollyon himself, he deceived everybody. And, you know, what I'm saying And I just uh, it's and it's just going to be an amazing moment here where we get to see the denouement of Apollyon himself, the beast. And he's going to get his comeuppance and the Messiah is going to look him in the eye. And he's gonna he's gonna face him and he's gonna say, you got, uh, you are gonna be thrown out, bro. He's not gonna, you just it's an amazing moment in my mind. And um the movie maker in me wants to, I mean, it would never be funded. They would never make that movie. They they would probably I was go gonna ahead. say
1: the Justice League there, Sean, where where Superman goes up the steppenwolf, and that's yeah, that's, I mean, it would be better than that, obviously, but
0: yeah, it's just, uh, just like, um, man. Yeah, I could go on. I gotta stop. I'm just <laughs> excited for the return of our Messiah. Yeah,
1: but this is one of those lies, Sean. That that you know, at least I was told growing up is that we won't know who the Antichrist is. We won't know who this beast is, right? Even though we're it's given the name, name,
0: we're given the name. The name the yeah,
1: I mean, it's just, but well,
0: it's, it's kind of like so many other topics in the Scripture that we see, right? It, it, the Father has clearly told us because He doesn't want us to be confused. He's clearly told us what's what it just depends on where you believe what he said or you or where you question what he said, you know, and that's where, um, you know, we see the same thing with other huge topics. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just uh, the enemy has put us in so many layers of lies that we have to weed ourselves out and we have to continually do that through the washing of the renewal of our mind with the water of truth, which is his word. We've got to continually be putting this in our heart and our minds so that we can, you know, have a, Have a sifting agent for all the lies that we encounter in this in this earth right now yeah so yeah brother i i I really appreciate you doing this show with me man it's a lot of fun just dissecting this is to me this is like i'm just kidding a candy store just dissecting all the prophecy about the return of the messiah because there's so much of it and it's so relevant and we see so many of these things leading up to these birth things today and so just to the viewer out there you know if, if you guys have not if you're watching this for the first time you just stumbled on this video because you like the thumbnail or something. Guys, th- this is the truth of, of where we live. The truth of who our creator is. It, all of it goes against the indoctrination you were told growing up in school. And this whole concept is that the creator made you, he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. He sent his son so that he could be your high priest, so that he could be your Messiah, redeem you, resurrect you on the day of the Lord. Since we're all going to die, he's told us we can be resurrected and have eternal life and given eternal bodies. And, and so all he wants is your attention. He wants your heart. He wants to know that um, that you want to respect his respect him basically on, to the level of you want to emulate his behavior. Yeah. And so that's what Yeshua tells us: is that if you love me, keep my commandments. And he reaches out to us with gentleness, right? So I know a lot of us have been told so many lies growing up, and it seems it seems like we're talking about a fictional story right now because that's the narrative the world has ingrained in most people's brains. With this humanistic evolutionary mentality and they think that none of all this stuff we're talking about sounds like just a, a fairy tale you know and that's where i would encourage you to just just prove it wrong right yeah. if it's a fairy tale this, to love your neighbors yourself okay prove it wrong go love your neighbors yourself if it says to to, <laughs> to uh to not lie and to not kill people right these are common things that you already believe but what happens when he says to learn his word and you'll be blessed by it and your mind will be opened and you will understand god's thoughts and you will actually have his behavior starting to change your life for the better and you will find joy you don't believe it prove it wrong try it test it and see amen. what happens.
1: amen test it for sure yeah. test
0: it for sure yeah. yeah and then and you'll find yourself more than anything you'll find yourself falling in a place where you realize the love of god through his messiah for us and before you know it, you'll be confessing the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You'll be confessing Jesus is Lord, right? So the hope, the point is, just like people in the in the Old Testament, they had a, a learning curve before they truly dedicated their heart to God. A lot of Christians come in. Ken, the reason I'm saying this is because most churches nowadays they get you in an emotional moment to try to tell you you got to give your heart to Christ, right? Yep. And then that's all you got to do, and you're done, right? And then magically, all your bad habits are gone away, right? But that's not what Scripture says. It says it's a discipleship process. It says it's, you're growing in the knowledge of God, as First Peter talks about. So we do give our heart to Christ, and it is a moment of faith, right? And you can have the Spirit fall upon you, and that empowers you to do good works, which is his, his commandments. Yeah. But for many of us, it is a learning process for all of us. None of us are perfected yet, as Hebrews 11 says. So it's a learning process where we put our faith in him as a root not just that he exists but that the father sent his son to die for us and that he is the authority figure that we look to the messiah to whom we can grow in our faith and be resurrected on the day of the lord which is the hope of glory
1: yeah amen so well, amen brother beautiful words you know we do all this until the end and then we're saved so it's amazing brother well stated
0: that's right that's right man um anything that you'd like to conclude with before we before we sign off
1: uh, no, I think I think we've we've done a good uh, amount of discussion here. I'm just looking at the comments i I want to comment on a couple of things, but i'm I'm gonna refrain so
0: <laughs> is there any any valid questions that are not antagonistic that you'd like to address?
1: <laughs> no, no, there aren't. I don't, I don't see any no. here. okay. Just a lot of postulations as to who the beast is, but yeah.
0: Well, you know, we've, we, we did, I did an entire episode on the road to rescue guys. If you're listening, um, it's called Apollyon, uh, or excuse me. It's called, uh, the Assyrian, uh, faces the Messiah. And I think that was week three or four episode three or four here on the road to rescue. So, um, everyone has their own theories. Mine, I try to support with as much scripture as possible. So that's where I did an entire episode of just scripture, trying to show you who Apollyon is, which is Nimrod of old. And uh, you can take it or leave it, but at least you can have it there to test for yourself.
1: Yeah, it's a great video. I highly recommend it.
0: So, bro, we're going to sign off for this evening. Um, I'll just, uh, I'll pray us out real quick. All right. Father, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do for us. Uh, Thank you for sending your son to die for us, that we may have eternal life in him. And thank you for giving us your word that may educate us on how to emulate your behavior and walk as your son walked. I ask that all the words and scriptures we provided tonight would find fertile ground and the gospel of the kingdom of God would actually be grown into the hearts and the minds of those who are listening and viewing. So we just thank you for this opportunity to preach your word while we have it. And, uh, and we just, we just give all praise to you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you for joining me tonight.
1: Yeah. Thanks brother. It was a good, good discussion. And thank you brothers and sisters those who have followed along live, we appreciate you, and um, we just hope that you're edified with the discussion this evening. And for those who may watch after this is over, we hope that you have, uh, you know, a good time and and test everything that we say to the scriptures and leave your comments below, and we'll try to get to them
0: if we can. That's right. We do our best. We do several different shows on several different channels, so um, we try to get to all the questions. Sometimes we just get overwhelmed. But thank you for joining us here on The Road to Rescue. Be encouraged. Your Messiah is coming soon. And uh, we'll hope to see you here next week at 6 o'clock Central Center Time on Parable of the Vineyard. See you next week.